over the last four weeks, the f- Pastor Marty and Pastor Margo has been speaking about renewing the mind and taking our life, taking our thoughts captive, allowing God through his word to transform us. And I'm going to continue on that this morning because it's such a vital thing for us. It's the thing that sets us free from our life, sets us free from anxiety, it sets us free from depression, it sets us free from the struggles that we face. may keep us in the situation, but inside, peace is found. And so I'm going to continue with that this morning. I'm going to read from Romans 12 and verses 1 to 2. And Paul, he's written this, this scripture and he says, I beseech you, therefore, he's pleading with us, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. I like it how it says in the NIV, it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That last sentence, that last part of that sentence says that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. The renewing of our mind speaks about God's will for our lives. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, I pray this morning as we open up the word, that God, that the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, God, will open up our hearts. And Lord, your word will will open up our eyes to see what you want to speak this morning. Because it's all about you, God. Your Holy Spirit comes in and breathes life on the word and it brings it to life. Lord, I thank you for what your word is going to do today because I know that your word never returns void, that your spoken word comes to pass. And Lord, this morning, I thank you for what you're going to do and I thank you for your presence here in this service. And everyone said, Amen. It's interesting. He starts this scripture off with, therefore. It says, therefore, the previous number of chapters is speaking about God's mercy, God's love, God dying on the cross, and the way that we see ourselves when we're before God. These are the previous chapters. So therefore, live this way. And God is setting up, this is the way I want you to do life. This is the way that I want you to walk life. It's a journey. It's not a race that you have to sprint all the time. It's not a race that you have to know everything about God in the instant in a one-year Bible reading plan. It's something that you're journeying through God, through the Word, being transformed because God has a plan and he has a purpose for your life, an individual plan for each one of us. I, I quite like that. I quite like the fact that God sees us individually. And God knows the exact time and he knows the exact place that we're going to be and he knows the exact walk that we're going to walk in life's journey. And through that, he says, I have a plan. I'm going to walk you through this. And in the process, I'm going to transform you into 
my image. I'm going to allow you to reflect who I am so that you can actually be living in freedom. So the question is, why do we need to be transformed? It's saying that we need to go from something to another thing, transformation. It's meaning that our minds are transformed into something that we once were, into something that we will become. You see, when Adam sinned, it's interesting, there was separation from God. One act of what Adam did when he disobeyed God in the garden was it separated us from God. And our nature, our human nature, comes with this natural focus that's all about me. And that's our focus. And so that's what we're born with, that's what we grow up with, and that's our natural tendency that we go towards. It's just part of life. There is no one here that is different. No one here that misses out on that. If we all take our smiling faces and we have a look within ourselves, we go, hmm, I'm a little bit like that. I'm a little bit self-centred. We all have that characteristic. It's, it's universal. I like that about God. God doesn't set one person up here and another person down here. He says, whatever demographic you come from, whatever cultural, <laughs> culture that you've grown up with, it's still the same. But then he goes on and he says, because of my kindness to you in that state, this is maybe who you were, this is maybe how you were born with, but I have good news for you. I have good news that... I loved you so much that regardless of your mistakes, regardless of how you see yourself, regardless of the failures and the mess that you make in your life, I, I loved you in that state and I saved you and I brought you out of darkness and I brought you out of that place of loneliness and set you apart. Not based on anything you've done, not based on what you can achieve, all purely based on what I did on the cross. I love that about God. God says, this is you are, you, you are the worst of the worst, but I sent my son, and now I'm going to transform you. I'm going to do the transformation. God says, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to allow you to come on the journey, and I'm going to give you the, the keys to transform. And thirdly, why does he want us to transform is, is so that he reflects who he is. You see, I'm self-centered, I'm selfish. Without God, I am pleasing, I want to do my own thing and everything revolves around me. But God says, I want to show humanity who I am. And so God says, I know that's been your past and guess what? That still has some of what you are right now. It's okay. God sees it all. It's like we say, God, you can't see all the secret things in our, our life. This year, we've been um, in a connect groups. We've been studying through the book called Pathway. I've loved it. I remember at the beginning of the year, Pastor Marty rang me, I think it was Wednesday afternoon. We were just about to speak to our connect leaders about what we'd be doing that, this year, 2018. And he rang, he was in Adelaide, and he rang, he said, I've, we need to do the Pathway book. We need to lay foundations and go back so that, that, that as a church, we can take others through the, the process of discipleship. And it was a, a book called Pathway that's all about your foundation. But one of the things that I found with this book, and I've loved it through this year, has been its foundational 
but it's just the foundations never change. Whether I'm a mature Christian, whether I'm young, whether I'm old, whether I'm middle-aged, the process of transformation never change. And there's four parts to this pathway. And the last one is the process of transformation. And I was reading through it and I thought, this never changes. This is the same for whether I'm a new Christian. It's the same for whether I've been a Christian for 20 years. It's the same whether I'm going through hell or not. It's the same. The process of transformation doesn't matter whether you're a new Christian or whether you're an old Christian. It's foundational. The foundations of how God works never changes. And so going back down to the foundation and going, actually, this is really cool because this is the way to live life. It's like such a, like a refreshment that you go, ah, oh, this is so cool. I don't have to work. I don't have to try harder. I know God's working on me. And this is the process of transformation. Because he wants to see us step into what he desires for our life. His desire. He has so much love for us. You see, there are areas in our life that he wants to work on. But do you know what? He still loves us the same. We're still a son. We're still a daughter of the Most High. doesn't change. It's interesting. In 2014, Kiri and I purchased a block of, well, not a block of land, but a house that was quite run down. And at the back of the house, on the back of the block of the land, there was an area that was all covered with weeds. And it was an area about 10 metres by 6 metres. And it was just all weeds. It had some tree stumps in the area. And so when we purchased it, all I did was I sprayed it. There was nice grass around there, so I'd mow it around there. And I was working on, on the inside of the house to renovate it. And then a thought dropped into my mind, and I believe it was a God, it was a God thought. That instead of just ripping it all out and laying turf, spend some time pulling out the weeds next to the grass so that the grass could grow. So what I did was I spent about 20 minutes every month and I'd be outside there and I'd be pulling the weeds right to next to where the, the grass was growing. And I did this and I consistently did this for about 18 months and then two years and this is what happened. I would pull weeds out and I'd leave a, leave a space of about 500 mil or half a metre and then over a couple of weeks or a month the grass would grow. And an area in, on the back of our lawn that was unusable was beginning to transform. The grass was slowly growing. And I'm thinking, wonder why God got me to do this. Because normally I just rip it out and put turf down. That's the easy way. But I believe God was showing me the journey of transformation. It's a little bit. I took a little bit of weeds so that the grass could grow. Do you know that I own that property? Kiri and I own that property, but I couldn't use that area. Didn't mean that I didn't like it. It was still our property. It was just that area we couldn't use. Who wants to get in the middle of weeds? And in the middle of those weeds were some really big stumps from trees that had been cut down. And when I got to that area, I had to use a a crowbar, an axe, all kinds of things to get it out. And it was hard work. It was really hard work to dig out these stumps. They were rotten, but they were still hard work. And it took time. 
And then I realized, and I thought, oh, wow. It takes time to take out some of the trees in our lives, some of the areas that have been so, that have grown, that have been there since we've been a small child. Things that have hurt us. And it's in this way that we've grown up and the tree has grown and it's laid its roots right into the ground that I realised, oh, this is taking time. And it's hard work. But eventually I was able to dig that out Fill it with soil and the grass continue to grow. So over a couple of years, what has happened has been where there was an area where it was unusable has been transformed in an area where you can go and sit down, where nice grass, where it's pleasant. And it was just like the revelation of saying, oh God, this is how you work. It was, I didn't understand what, why I was doing it at the, mo- at the time. All I was just thinking, okay, well, we'll just do this. But it was over time that God was teaching me about transformation, about renewing the mind. See, God uses nature and he uses what he created to show us how he works inside our hearts. See, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke into existence and he said, Plants. He spoke them. Let there be plants. And they appeared. So he knows the design of that. He knows that that's how they operate. And the design that he made and he put in place, he put it in place so that we could look at it and see how he works. He doesn't. So if he's done that, what about our own lives? You see, with our property, we still owned it. It was still ours. And the same with God and us. When you're born again, no matter how messy you are in your life, no matter how much you have, you're still God's. And do you know what? He is just going to work a little bit by a little bit. Little bit by a little bit. And you know what? It's going to take time. And you know what? You're going to have to come to terms with failing. I said that in the last couple of weeks at Connect, and the look I got, you have to come to terms with with failing. Yeah. The the Bible is full of stories of of the great men of faith that have failed. I love that. I love that. See, there are three elements for our minds to be renewed. Just in the story of when I was growing the grass, space had to be given. We have to create space. And for God to speak to us, space needs to be created in our lives. Because without allowing him to come in and speak to us, we'll never get a revelation of what needs to be changed. Because what's changing in us is he's looking at us in particular and he's saying, I just want to adjust this in your life because you don't realise that this change is going to set you free. At the time, you, you think, oh, why God, why are you giving me this? I was, on Friday, I received an email 
from a blog that I sometimes read. It's from a guy who owns a company called Jotform. Some things that we use here. It's, uh, he's an entrepreneur. He's in the top 350 in the US. But he has some interesting insights into technology and how it affects us. And I find it very interesting that somebody, I don't believe he's a Christian, but has so many Christian values that he sees the patterns of life. I'm going to read you this little bit of, of what, what I read. Because it, you, as you hear it, you'll see where I'm going. He said, each of our precious brains processes 30, 34 gig of information a day. Now, for those that are t aren't tech savvy, that's a lot of information. To relate that, that's 100,000 words a day. That's, that's what we process. And that's only in our leisure time. More information, quicker, faster. Everything is whizzing by at such a speed that to simply stop and pay attention is something is hard. Even the act of reading. Tim Ferriss, who's a self-help guru, has developed a comprehensive technique to make us read 300 times faster. But do we really care enough about reading? Nearly a quarter of American adults say they haven't read a book of any kind in the past year. And on average... Most adults read 17 books per year. But how many, of, uh, how many of us actually appreciate the true value that reading brings? For many successful entrepreneurs, reading has been seen as a way to increase personal progress, productivity and personal growth. He said, when I started the company back in 2016, I was approaching reading like I was approaching any other task. Just wanted to hold that thought about the Bible and relate it to the Bible. I'd make a list of books that were recommended to me or topped the best-selling bestsellers in the business section, and I'd try to read them as much as I can. I'd either try to be super fast using a technique similar to, to that of Ferris, or I'd try to hit aggressive goals like reading 50 books a, a year like Bill Gates. Yet over time, I started to question a few things about my behavior my reading behaviour. Why would I give one of life's greatest enjoyments a key performance indicator? Think about that and think about how we read our Bibles. Our world is already full of rules, benchmarks. Do I need to regulate this too? Here's what happens when you read for the sake of reading. You barely retain any information. You sacrifice reflection and introspection. You absorb very little. It's true that wide, reading widely is something many successful people have in common. But it's not how much they read, it's how they read. Valuable reading is deep and not shallow. When you can't put a book down, when your brain fizzes with satisfaction as you turn each page while you eat in the bath, on the, on the park bench, standing, on, standing up at the subway, devouring a plot line, a theory, a method, thinking, yes, this is for me, getting so lost that you don't hear the doorbell ring, getting so lost in the Word of God. I read this and I thought, wow, this guy has a grasp on our reading. He has a grasp on the digital age. 
And then he finishes the article off like this. He said, think of it like a scheduled date night. We should read when we're open and relaxed, enough to enjoy something to receive. When you make space to truly read, you are fostering an environment that allows your mind to not only connect with ideas on the page, but also one that gives your brain time to make new and insightful connections. In the power of doing nothing, I talked about this think weeks and embracing a dig- digital Sabbath. Boy, I've heard that word in the, somewhere. Must be the Bible. I also like the concept of having an untouchable day every week, shielded from the barrage of modern life. Now, this is the, one of the top IT entrepreneurs in the world. On the actual untouchable day itself, I picture myself sitting in a bulletproof car surrounded by two inches of thick, impenetrable plastic on all sides. Nothing gets in, nothing gets out. Meetings bounce off the windshields. Text alerts, phone calls too. My cell phone is on aeroplane mode all day. My laptop has Wi-Fi completely disabled and not a single thing can bother me, not a single thing does. Reading is magic. Think about that. And think about the pattern of this world. See, I, when I've been reading through his stuff, we are so wired for information. We are on 24-7 hours, sorry, 24 hours a day. It feels like 27 sometimes. We're wired the whole time. We're wired to our mobile devices. Think about it. We are. I love technology. But I've discovered this really, this really cool button on the, on the, on the phone. It's uh, on the edge here. For this phone, it's on the edge here. Right here. And you press it. And it does this amazing thing to the phone. And it says, oh, slide to power off. And all of a sudden, everything goes quiet. Did you know that when you do that, you're uncontactable? Oh, it's a great feeling. No one can message you. No one can call you. No one at all can interrupt your time. I love what Pedro spoke on a couple of months ago, the dings of life, the notifications that pop up on your phone that go, I needed you to do this. Our life tells us what, our phone tells us what we need to do and what we're going to do next. And sometimes we need to take time out so that we can open the word and we can hear from Almighty God. Because he says, I want to speak to you about the pattern. And this is just a pattern of the world. And this writer recognizes that that's a pattern of the world. Doesn't realize that he's speaking about the pattern of God's word and the pattern of the world. Doesn't realize it. And even when he's talking about the Sabbath, the digital Sabbath. He's talking about day. He's talking about the first two chapters of Genesis. God created the Sabbath before he put it into the law, pre-law, pre-sin, pre-culture. Pre-culture, God's culture. If God 
had to stop after day six and there was no sin in the world and he sets an example, how much more do you think he wants us to take time out and open the word and allow him to change us? Oh, Allow him to say, I love you, son. I love your daughter. Even though the thoughts are ravaging through your mind. How much more that God set in motion, he sets the pattern before sin comes into the world. That's God's pattern. You see, God's not interested in us picking up the Bible and reading the whole thing in a year. I'm just going to be honest and open. He's not. He's interested us in getting to know him. He's not interested in us saying, well, I've read this, I've read that, I've read the book, I've read the whole Bible today, or I've read these three chapters, I've done my task, I've met my key performance indicator for today, and I've tucked, ticked that off the list. I've done my duty, I've read, the, read a chapter a day, and the devil's going to stay away. <laughs> Think about it. We get to that mindset of saying, I've done my task, I've done my task with God. But God is so much more interested in us and he loves us so much that he says, I want to actually take you, get you to take the time so that I can set you free. So there's so much more to the way that God does things and he says, I want you to live a life that's set in freedom. Freedom doesn't dictate my circumstance. I can be free on, in, on the inside, yet circumstances around the outside can be dictating and saying, world's falling apart, but I'm at peace inside. Yeah. It was a couple of years ago that I, I, was, I was reading the Word, and I'd just spend a couple of verses, and that's all I would do for maybe a week. God would reveal something in the Word, He'd breathe on it, and I'll come to this later. And that's how I was going. I'd meditate it, memorise it. And that may keep me going for a couple of weeks. Then I got around a group of people who was constantly, you need to go through the Bible. You need to get on this plane. You need to be constantly reading. You need to be listening to the Bible. You need, it just needs to be, you need to, need to be putting the Word of God into your heart. You just need to be listening, listening, listening. And I was really discouraged. And God asked me, why are you discouraged? I, I taught you how to read. I'm not interested in you, in you knowing the whole Bible. I'm just interested in changing you. I will teach you what you need to be taught. It took me a little while to overcome that thinking. But then I read this scripture. Psalm 139. It says, in the message it says, God investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you, even from a distance. You know what I'm thinking. You know what I leave. You know when I leave, when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say. Future tense. Let that thing sink in. God knows everything that you're going to say before you say it. That's scary. And he still loves us. I look 
behind me and you're there. Then up ahead, you're there too. Reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. God knows every part of me. Every, there is nothing that God doesn't know about me. There is nothing secret. Is there a place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I fly on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. God knows everything about your life. So if God knows everything about your life, God has a particular reading plan for your life that he's going to breathe on the word of God and it's going to come to life. You see, God knows exactly what, where you are. It's just If I related back to the area of the block of land that we have and you, I knew exactly what I needed to pull out for growth to occur. And God knows the exact same thing. You see, in the, when he asks you to read the Bible, he says, read it, let me breathe on it. When it comes alive, I'm speaking to you. Stop. I'm actually speaking to you. You don't have to go on. It's okay. You don't have to fill the task. You don't have to fulfill the quota. It's I'm speaking to you. See, I found God will speak to me out of one or two verses. And sometimes those one or two verses are enough for me to go a whole week, sometimes two weeks, because God is saying to me, I'm speaking to this area in your life. You don't have to get on, on, the, on the pattern of this world and continue all reading, 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 reading. And, oh God, I know about you, but I don't know you. Yeah. And so God's focus, he says, I want you to meditate on just on that one verse. Because I breathed on it, and I have the perfect plan. He knows everything about you and I. He knows every situation that I face. He knows every heartache. He knows every mindset that I've grown up that's not according to his will. But he says, it's okay, we're not there yet. Don't worry about that. I'm just working on this one area at the moment. And that brings relief, because oh, I can still fail in that area. God's working on me. God, help me through it. God is focused on one part of your life at a time, one mindset, one mindset, and he is transforming you. You see, what happens is this. You read it, you get a revelation, and then he says to put... Actually, I'll go back. He says... David says, your word have I hid in my heart that I won't sin against you. So God gives you a revelation of a scripture. You take the time and you memorize it. And that may be what's thinking about over a couple of weeks. And over that time, that one scripture, God is transforming your mind. He's transforming the thought processes. One scripture. Because God is building upon a foundation, and he's renewing our minds. Mother's Day 2017, I remember it well. Downstairs after the service, 
A gentleman came in and I went to approach him and he turned around and he clocked me in the side of the head. I don't remember the hit. All I know is that, is that uh, is I didn't go down the ground but I found myself back in one of the rooms holding the side of my head. I didn't ask for anything. I was actually being really polite and I was just asking him how he's going. I wanted to give you an example of how God highlights Scripture and how God, in some circumstances, actually doesn't stop something from happening, but he allows something, but he gives you the grace to get through it. The week before, Kiri and I were just sitting at the table and we were reading through the book of Luke. And Luke chapter 6 says this, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. It jumped out on the page. This is a week before Mother's Day 2017. And God, I'm thinking, why, God, why are, you, why are you bringing me to this attention to me? I didn't know. And over that whole week, I was just meditating on that. Meditating on it thinking about it over and over. It was a scripture that was going round and round and round in my mind. After Sunday, I got, I got, got the picture. Because after that Sunday, and we, I have a history where I have a, I used to, oh, well, I had a bleed on the brain. So getting, a number of years ago, so getting hit in the head is not ideal for my health. It's not an ideal thing. But I came out of that Sunday with no malice, no hatred, no desire for revenge. Why? Because a week before, God says, I know what's going to happen. God didn't stop it. Listen to this. God didn't stop, stop the situation from occurring. But he said, I'm going to give you the grace. I'm going to give you faith to walk through the situation. I'm going to allow you to respond out of my word, out of who I am and my character. And so that's what God does. He takes us at a situation because my natural response is I want to get revenge. That's naturally how I would, would think. But God took something, he changed something in my heart, gave me a revelation and he gave me something of faith to hold on to. And I look at that and that, that's how God works. He knew the future. Oh, God knows you so intimately. It's okay. He knows your secrets. And he's okay with that. Because he's not ready for you to maybe process those secrets yet with him. It's, it's not a secret to him. He knows about it. And he loves you the same. You see, as you take a scripture... And God highlights it. I love what Pastor Margot spoke on last week about rumination, about meditating, letting the, the word go over and over in your mind like the cow that regurgitates its food and chews it over to get goodness. See, Psalm 1, I love Psalm 1. It's become a bedrock for me. Psalm 1, 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the one who does not... Walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Listen to what happens when this happens. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water 
which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. That is the result of meditating, of allowing God as you're reading the word. Oh, you've revealed that to me. I'm going to memorize that verse. Not asked to memorize the whole Bible, just one verse. And I'm going to meditate on that. And that will change you. That will show you, oh, this is how good God is. God is compassionate. He's full of mercy. And if that's who God is, I start to reflect that. And as I start to reflect that, I start to treat others like this. You see, it's it's something that happens on the inside that reflects to how I treat others. See, God is working in an area in my life and he says, I don't want you to, to speak like that anymore. Matthew 7 says, do not judge. Something God's been working in, in my life. Because the same judgment will be handed back to you. Because I want you to speak to people how I see them. God's working. He's putting, he highlights an area in your life. He breathes on his word. And then he, over time, and it can take months, he changes you. He transforms you. And that is how good God is. We, speak, we sing about how good God is. If the band could come up, that would be great. The Bible says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I won't sin against you. It's not a race. It's not a race to get as much knowledge about the Bible. I just want to be intimate with God. And through revelation, I've got to take time. I've got to create space so that God can speak to me. And in that time and space, God will highlight a scripture and he'll breathe on it. And I encourage you, when you do that, when you get that revelation from God, and God will give you that revelation, meditate on it, memorize it. Let God change you. Because you know what he'll do? He'll transform you. He'll take away the anxiety. He'll take away the depression. When crisis comes along your path, when, when you fail and you go, oh God, I, I, I'm at my end here. It's okay. God has you by his hand. God has you in the palm of his hand. And Jesus' words to you this morning, he says, He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And guess what? No one can take, I'm speaking out of John here, no one can take you out of the palm of my hand because he is almighty God and he knows what is going on. It may feel like hell and it may feel like your life is falling apart, but God says, I'm in the midst of it. Hang on to me.